I'm Dan, and I'm trying to like figure out a story to jump into. Um, like it's like, oh, um, isn't there a movie where they're like, we're gonna start at the beginning or the very beginning, and it's like a musical? I'm thinking of like, I don't know, the very like best place to start ever starts at huh? it's like every movie ever that starts at no. <laughs> well, yes, movies start at the beginning. Typically, that's where all stories do, but. <laughs> This is Erica Henry. That was Dan Norton, and you're listening to week four of the Testify series on the Holy District Podcast. No, there's a very specific musical. It might come to me later that I am thinking of, um, but it's not coming to me right now, so that's fine. Um, I'm trying to think. If in my life where to like start and begin to walk forward you know because um, there's a lot in my uh life that it's like oh i could pick out these points but uh the interesting thing about like our stories or our testimonies and listening to this series has caused me to think over is how much of our life intersects with other people mm, yeah and so to tell like for me to sit down and then bear witness to my life and like how Jesus is working in it is also for me to bear witness to my community mm-hmm. and how people have come around and supported me, how um, community has helped heal and grow and develop me, but then also how there's been hardship and frustration and disappointment and pain and um, you know, pieces of that where I'm just like, man, That's the hard thing is how much of your story do you share? Because like it's your experience, but it's also other people and it intersects with them, you know, and you can do that and like talk through and I've uh, like and talk through that. And so like, I think where I would just start is like, man, I grew up in a really small, tiny, tiny, tiny town. Um, I loved my hometown. I do still love it. I look back on it because it's like the funny thing about my hometown is it was so small. I remember the day that the stoplight got put in. I was gonna- um, <laughs> and like that's a fact that I bring up often um because it's like it's like do you really it's 2022 Dan and it's like no like this is a real thing like when I was growing up in my hometown um we did not have a stoplight and then I was about eight or nine we just had a four-way stop um and I was about eight or nine when the stoplight got put in in town and i remember the day it turned on because uh suddenly there was traffic on main street oh there's traffic (laughs) (laughs) and only because one side had a red light no matter what you know so like there was traffic suddenly and that wasn't normal before but it is what it is and so you know (laughs) um and it was also right next to my church Um, so like when I would go to church, then you would see like my church that I grew up in was right on main street Mm. and of my hometown. And so like, you'd see the church and then the stoplight was right there. And it was the one like right at the city center, if you could call it a city center, but it took, you know, you could drive through my town in three minutes. So, right, right. you know, and most people did because you're just going to pass through. It's, it's not a stopping town. It's just a get on through town. Was your hometown pretty dominantly religious? Like, would you say most of the folks that live there went to church? Um, I would say culturally, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so like it was a town of 1500. 
um, the surrounding area um, with like all the farmers, you know, was probably then just maybe another 3000 like total. So 15, so another 1500 out there in the surrounding like drivable area. Um, but I grew up in a church of 200 people, 250, maybe at most. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were other churches in town, but I wouldn't say they were like the church I grew up in was the largest church. Yeah. In town. Be pretty big for a town that size. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and so like do math, that doesn't mean everybody is going to church and even ma- the majority of people aren't like maybe I think you would be lucky if you got to 20% of the, like that surrounding area, you know, mm-hmm. um, of people going to church. But I would say culturally, they still were like, no, like we are religious mm-hmm. and we have a faith, which, yeah. So, um, like the home, my home church too. Um, I loved it. Like we had a youth group, um, there and it was, I mean, that was the only youth group, um, in town too. And so like kids that were interested in any kind of faith or, um, went to church at all would come to our youth group on Wednesday nights and it was junior high through high school. Um, and like we did the, we did the wild, crazy youth group games and I loved that. Um, there's a lot of fun memories, you know, we're like going to church camp in the summer and I loved those and like conferences. And like, I remember, um, in high school, I remember in high school, we would go to, um, midnight showings on like Thursday night when a new movie would come out. Uh, and so I think like, I think this would be when, uh, the eventual Avengers started. Oh, and so, or like way, way back and maybe even earlier, maybe it was like Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't remember, but I remember like we would go, we'd do school on Thursday and then like we'd meet at like 7 or 8 p.m. at the church, like, and the youth pastor would take us all in the church van and our parents were all okay with this. (laughs) But like we had to drive a full 45 minutes to an hour into the biggest city nearby Omaha um, to get to a movie theater. And we would go then there and arrive at like 11 or 1130 to watch a midnight showing of a movie that's coming out on Friday. But we were seeing it, you know, Thursday night into Friday. Right. And then we'd go back home and it would be like four in the morning and we'd get up and go to school the next day. Um, And that was fun. (laughs) Like, I loved that. Yeah. You know, Um, and it was just like, those are the things where like I look back on and I kind of like, I'm like, how did I ever how did I ever live in such a small town? Because now I live in this ginormous city and mm-hmm. I have target five minutes away, Walmart five minutes away. I have more movie theaters nearby. And it's like, and I have red boxes around and food, you know, um, fast food restaurants and all of these things around me. But the place I grew up, we didn't have any of that. Like to get fast food, we had to go to the next town over. And so that right. was 15 minutes away to, we didn't have a red box. We had a gas station that you could go like a blockbuster, but it was a gas station. <laughs> you know like they had one little section of movies and like that's how you got movies in my hometown um i bet it's still there i bet they still rent movies there like when i left um in high school tapes or were they dvds they were they so when i was little i remember the transition point too um when I was little, they were VHS tapes. And then we got DVDs in probably the mid 2000s. 
early to mid 2000s, I think. Um, but when I left the town and like graduated out of high school, uh, I bet they that that was the only place where you could rent DVDs still. Wow. Um, because I know when I I know for a fact when I left and graduated, um, we did not have a red box or any kind of like DVD thing like that. You lived in a time capsule of sorts. I did. To people who it didn't did. grow up in the, you know, in the rural Midwest, yep. it yep. probably sounds so, so foreign. Yeah. And in the midst of that, you had this really dynamic youth experience going yeah. to the trip that you went to in your hometown. Yep. How, how did you meet Jesus there? How did you experience Jesus in yeah. this setting? Yeah. So when I, um, I grew up going to church that, um, home church and I, you know, I met Jesus there cause he was kind of the only constant in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would just, my family would go to church on Sundays and as a little kid, like I would, uh, like that was just tradition. It was some sort of, um, order. And mm-hmm. if you know my story at all, which, um, if you don't great, you're listening, but I grew up in a lot of chaos in my life. Um, my parents divorced when I was little and, um, when I was young too, for a while, I was abused and like, there was just a lot of chaos and turmoil and trauma happening around me. Um, my family life wasn't, um, the best or wasn't ideal. And, but we would go to church and when I would go to church, like, it just kind of felt like this sense of like calm. And it was a space where nothing was expected of me. Um, where there were just adults there that cared for me and I didn't have to worry about whatever was happening outside of church. And so when all of that chaos is happening, um, like Jesus becomes just this like center rock immovable mm-hmm. for me. And it does like the thing I look back at is like, I, it doesn't mean that I did like, it doesn't mean that I didn't question. It doesn't mean that I wasn't frustrated. Like as I got older and was into high school, there was a lot of like, what is happening? Um, but it was the only, I just didn't know any different. And it was like, we grew up and we were Christian and that's what it was. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, because outside of all of that chaos, I had like a rock or like, um, a cornerstone that I could like hold on to, uh, Mm -hmm. to help work through those things, you know? So I got baptized young and, um, you know, when I got baptized, I remember I went and talked to the uh, pastor, my youth pastor at the time, and was like, hey, I want to do this. I was in fourth grade. And a lot of times people look back and be like, I didn't know what it meant. Um, I knew what it meant in that I knew I didn't want to go to hell because at the time, um, following Jesus was just about getting into heaven yeah. and, not, or, and not going to hell. And so I just knew like, well, I don't want to go to hell. So I want to follow Jesus because I want to. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, so I knew how to answer the questions. I knew like, oh, Jesus died for me and died for my sins. Um, baptizing is following him um, and those things. And I see that still as like a really good thing. Like I knew what it meant. But now that I'm older, I know, I know baptism on a deeper level. Like, and that's, it's my, my faith has matured. And so I don't look back and go, oh, I got baptized too young. Um, I've not once looked back and been like, oh, should I be rebaptized? Because as I've just kind of thought through it, it's just like to, to for baptism to take on new meaning to me is a sign of maturity mm-hmm. and growth. And so like I'm grateful I got baptized when I was young 
because yeah. it continued to establish this firmness for me of like, um, in my faith of Jesus, who I'm going to rely on to Jesus, who I'm going to hold on to and how I'm going to keep moving forward, you know, and he's the guide, he's the guide of my life. And, at in fourth grade, it was like, he's my savior. Yeah. Um, in high school, uh, it became, oh, he's actually like, he's my Lord, you know? Um, and I say that because like when I was in, um, a senior in high school, God and I did a lot of wrestling with each other. Um, I kept feeling uh, this sense of like calling of like going into ministry and full-time ministry. And I just remember having these like this like um, anxiety isn't the right word, but like this just like deep feeling or presence or just like emotion that would Mm -hmm. keep coming and a thought in my head of like, I want you to go into ministry, you know, and And it's not, I didn't want it. Like, I felt like I was like, I'm not saying this, but I felt like in a way, like I was Jonah because I was trying to run in the opposite direction. Like I wanted to go be a chef because I, I love to cook. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go into um, counseling or study music and like do music therapy with people. Um, I And I look back and it's like, why did I ever think counseling would be a great idea for me? <laughs> Maybe you just needed counseling. So you were wanting to become what you needed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I was avoiding it at every cost. And then when I got to be, um, and then finally, like at some point, it was just like, I, I was like, this isn't going away. Like this feeling and this thought. And I, it's not, I'm not saying I heard God's voice. It just like, it's this thought that kept coming back. And I don't know how to say it other than that of like take anxiety, but not like a bad anxiety, like a good, like just overwhelming feeling pressing in with this thought of you need to go into ministry. And it was like, okay, Um, that's why I'm like in high school, he became my Lord because it was like, I realized like, okay, I'm feeling called to this. And if I want to keep following Jesus, I need to like submit and practice this. And because I've said he is my Lord. He is my savior. And he, like, he is my guide. So it's like, I'm going to do that. So I went into college and went to a Christian college and got a ministry degree and then went and worked at churches. And, um, and then in the last, you know, handful of years, I look at it and I just think like Jesus went from being just a savior to a savior and a Lord. Um, and to now it's like, he's a friend too, Wow. you know? And so you're like, uh, uh Jesus was, uh, when I was little, he was a savior because I needed to be rescued. Definitely. Yeah. When I was in high school, he became a Lord because I needed a leader. Cause no, like my, um, my, my parents weren't available. Like they were dealing with their own trauma and issues. And, um, I had to raise myself on my own, uh, at 12 years old. Like, um, I, remember I wasn't planning on diving into this but I remember at 12 years old having to write checks um to pay bills and um having to go get groceries um for myself and I would write checks because I know like we needed to be able to have electricity but I didn't know how much was in a bank account Mm -hmm. um and because my uh parent was uh not in a healthy place and it's like, I'm 12, um, you know? And yeah. so 
in each season of life, Jesus has kind of become what I needed. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And so now as an adult, like I said, oh, he's become a friend because like what I've need now, like I still need a savior. I still need a Lord. Um, cause I'm still following him and like, he's my guide. Um, but I like, I love a view of Jesus that he like actually takes delight in me Yeah, and he's kind and he's like, there's joy there. Um, I grew up with a Jesus, like I had this really good uh, view of Jesus and he's very gracious and kind and helpful, but I also grew up with this one that was like kind of uh, shameful or angry or guilt, like would guilt you. And I like in Christian circles, we would just call it conviction so that we would feel better. Um, which conviction is good. (laughs) I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying like, man, growing up, um, the, the guilt that I, I realize now that things that I would call conviction were actually a lot of guilt and Mm -hmm. shame because I didn't know how to process that. Um, you know, and now that you say, no, it's like, there's a lot, like he still will convict. It's like, Dan, like I could still feel the sense of like conviction of like, oh, I recognize now when I didn't live according to his way mm-hmm. or the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's good, but it's not full of shame where it's not like you're bad. Right. It's, oh, wow. That action wasn't helpful. That action was bad. That action was harmful or right. hurtful, yeah. you know, or hey, like I could have said that better um, or I could have done that different. That's different than going, wow, why do you keep doing this, Daniel? Right. Why do you keep falling into the same trap? Um, If you could just, and it's like, oh, you know, those, they're different there for me. And it's like, so I love the Jesus that I know now um, who's become a friend and who's like, who is fun. And I mean, when we're with you and Blake, like, um, it's, it's nice. And, um, Brooke and I, but like me personally will forever be grateful to both of you too, uh, because of how much we like love you and I love you. Um, but because it's just, we have fun and to hang out and to talk about faith, to talk about life and to laugh, um, is a gift and a joy and it's light, you know? And I feel like that's where it's, very recently, within the last year, I feel like I've really come to understand um, when Jesus is talking about, come to me all who are weary and I will take or and find rest. And then he goes on and he says, take my yoke upon your shoulders for my burden is, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right, right. And I've come to understand that second part, that Jesus's burden is light. It's hard. Like, it's not like it's not difficult and there's not like, a, a difficult thing to work through of like having to submit and sacrifice and uh, think of other people and like be self that self-sacrificial love of Jesus. But it, it's light when I'm, when you're with like other Jesus followers who get it and we're following in the same direction, there's a lightness to it. Like, you know, I mean, I just think whenever we're together um, in person and we've been out to visit you a couple of times this last year, like it's just, there's been so much laughter and joking and like we'll make fun of each other and we'll make fun of me because I say ridiculous things and like I do ridiculous things that should be made fun of but it's all from a place of like joy and love and kindness and we just laugh like and that's healing you know for people you know I love this this image of Jesus as friend and it's it's a deeply biblical image that we get from the scriptures 
but it may not be the most prominent one that comes up in our sermons or our worship songs or whatever it may be. But, you know, whenever you're talking about that idea of conviction, I think sometimes we, we imagine that, that joy and like, we have to compartmentalize these parts of God. And what I've learned in my life and what you're describing about our friendship is that like a really pure, good, authentic friendship is all of those things. Whenever you have a friend who's deeply committed to you, they, they love you. That that means that they, they accept you as you are. That means they delight in you. They enjoy being in your presence. It means, um, they don't probably put up with your crap whenever you're (laughs) like, there are just, when you really think about those friends that are there, you know, that you, that, you know, are in your corner they're going to be the friend that that says like, Hey, that wasn't cool. They're going to be the friend that is there whenever you're having a terrible day, they're going to be. And to, to really experience Jesus as that kind of a friend, not just this benign, nice guy, you know, Swedish Jesus that we talk about that in some, you know, atonement theories has to, you know, God has to kill in order to be okay with us. But to actually see Jesus as the full revelation of God, a God who delights in us, a God who accepts us, and a God who wants to heal us and who is going to tell us the truth about ourselves so that we can be set free from sin and from the things that are harming us and leading us to harm one another. Um, To know that the person who is pointing out a flaw or a misguided idea is a person who deeply loves you and delights in you. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a total game changer. And I think that maybe, you know, let me know if this rings true to you growing up with an idea of like nice Jesus and mean God or something like that. It, it kind of, it, it, it creates this dichotomy where it's like, well, Jesus likes me, but there's, I'm, I'm still really bad. And yeah. I, I've got to, you know, figure this out. Brene Brown, I think, talks about, you know, the difference between shame and even guilt or conviction where shame says I am bad, mm-hmm. whereas guilt or conviction says I did a bad thing. Yep. And there, I, I unfortunately, I think we grew up in a probably a pretty similar kind of Christian culture. Shame was kind of the underlying yeah. current. It, it wasn't that's a wrong action. It was you are bad. You, yeah. you are deplorable. You in creating this case of our deep need of Jesus. And we do have a deep need of Jesus. But the hard part was once we said yes to Jesus, even at a very young age, I was nine when I was baptized, yeah. we said yeah. yes to Jesus, but we still felt so full of shame and the yep. shame yep. didn't go away. So, yep. so now what, because I'm bad. And the only reason why I'm okay is because Jesus loves me and he died, but what's different now. And yep. there was maybe like some abstract difference that we were supposed to know and appreciate. But when it came down to our psychological and emotional experience that, you know, what do you do with that? And it sounds to me like your journey with Jesus is you just stay with Jesus at whatever, whatever level of understanding you had is he, as you needed new things from Jesus and recognize your need, Jesus just became whatever it was that, that you needed um, from him. It was all of those things the whole time. But once you were able to recognize it, oh, I need this. Well, there, there Jesus yeah. was in the midst of that. And, and now to have this 
really special experience of Jesus as the friend who is also your Lord, who is also your Savior. Mm-hmm. What a what an incredible yeah. place to be in. Yeah, it changed for me. And I don't remember where I learned this um, or listened to this or like, I remember we, you talked about it um, in the beginning of the Holy District when it was like going through our values um, on the podcast. And we're talking about creation. Um, and you said this, but I knew like, I learned this a few years ago too, where God, the fascinating thing to me about the story of creation and fall, I bring this up because you said like, we learn that uh, the Christian culture that you and I grew up in was we are bad, we are deplorable, there's nothing good about us. And when I went back and reread the creation story, the fascinating thing to me is that in Genesis 3, when God is cursing the world, he never curses humanity. Right. He curses birth, like says that will be painful, that we'll work hard to get our food, and he curses the ground. But he doesn't, like, he called humanity very good when he created them. And then he didn't take that, like, he didn't say, now you're very bad. Right. And that doesn't mean, like, I'm not giving excuse that every feeling, every action, everything, like, I, is good. Because in that way, then I'm creating the problem because I'm making myself my own God. Because it's like, oh, well, then what do I want? But it's like, no, like, me as a created individual who's designed by God, a God who loves me, is still very good. Mm-hmm. And as I lean into my relationship with Jesus and I grow in that relationship with Jesus, I'm learning that more of like, there are things about me that are very good. And he's like, he's bringing those out and he's, you know, he delights in it because he created it. It doesn't mean that I don't have work to do. Like, since you've known me, the joke has always been 5% better every year. (laughs) And, um, I, I, I'm grateful for that, though, like because it's actually attainable um, mm-hmm. for me to soften all my hard edges um, in one year is not attainable. But to like begin to work and mature and develop and like soften and become more thoughtful and how it's like, hey, you know, I've been a little bit more brash in my younger days mm-hmm. and more immature days. And so to like soften the way that I talk and just be more thoughtful about it, like, oh, I don't have to say it this way. Um, Mm -hmm. is a sign of improvement and it's like but there's still like a boldness or a truthfulness that jesus put in me definitely that it's like we're gonna call this out because we're not gonna let that keep happening right but at the same time i I, you don't like to be truthful doesn't mean you have to be an (laughs) a-hole right 
I love, I love what you're talking about here because I think the tweak is, um, we're no longer thinking in terms of, am I good or am I bad? I'm good. God made me. I'm an image bearer of God. I am flawed. I have areas where I'm immature. And I think that framework of immaturity and maturity is number one, so much more helpful. Number two, so much more biblical because what we see in the new Testament, especially in the epistles is, you know, Paul, one of, you know, the most dominant writers of the new Testament, he talks about maturity time and time again. If you're in Christ, Paul says you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So we're not really, we don't really need to worry about what, you know, the, the bad stuff, you know, may have been about us or whatever. I'm a new creation. I'm an image bearer. And now the question is, how am I going to mature into the full headship of Christ, into the leadership of Christ? And how do we do that as Jesus followers? And so when I'm making mistakes, when I'm doing dumb stuff, when I, when I behave in a way that hurts someone that hurts our world, when I'm complicit in something, the question isn't about my, am I good or bad? The question is, why am I acting in an immature way? Why, what, you know, what, where do I need to grow uh, in order to move into healthier, more loving way of being, Um, you know, you're getting ready to have your baby and we have an almost two-year-old now, and I'm just learning all these different things through the eyes of a parent that I've never been able to uh, access before um, from this vantage point. And I look at my little boy and he is good. Like mm-hmm. he yeah. is everything that is good and beautiful. You know, you hear a child laugh and you just know the pureness of existence is, it's just amazing. Does that mean that every choice he makes is the best choice for him? Does that mean that he doesn't try to bite me in the calves whenever I'm (laughs) (laughs) no, but do I think that's because there's something broken or bad about him? No, he's immature. His brain is developing like, and so if I can have that kind of grace with my son, because I love him and I understand what's going on in his little body and mind, then surely Jesus and, you know, Jesus representing the God of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, isn't every time we have a misstep or we, we make a mistake or we sin or we mess up that he's not saying, oh, you're bad. It's like, okay, we've got some growing to do. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious, you've been sharing, you know, kind of the journey all the way to today, you know, you said, and it's been in this last year that you started to really experience Jesus as friend mm-hmm. and this lightness of the burden of being on journey with Jesus in this way, maybe to wrap up our time together, um, for this podcast episode, is there a story of something Jesus has done in your life lately that you just want to, you know, testify the organ chords, start playing and you stand up and hand you the mic. <laughs> <laughs> What is um, for you lately, Dan the Man, Dan the Man Norton? It's hard to think like in the last few months. I want to get to that point, but I need to, I know for myself, I need to tell a different story and then I'll eventually get to something um, mm, okay. recently. But so I think of a couple of years ago, um, like I said, like as I look over my story, I look at is it's the story of a community and I wish I could tell my story in a vacuum. Um, and then, it, cause then it's like, oh, well, I just get to control the narrative and like tell whatever I want. 
but it's not. And so I have to be aware of the community that's around me. And like, that's just been a theme um, for me is like, our stories are stories of communities that come along and develop us, good or bad. Right. A few years ago, um, my wife and I were working in a church and she got let go. And in that time, like we had been planning this trip. It was a five-year anniversary. We had been planning to go on a trip to Hawaii, um, had been like saving up and all of these cool things. And um, we're planning on it. It kept getting pushed back because of COVID. And we didn't know about the timing with it. And so like it was supposed to happen. And then Hawaii delayed reopening. So we had to push back. And then they delayed it again. We had to push back. So then we were going. And um, she got let go on like uh, Monday or something. And that same week, we were supposed to be leaving to go on vacation for Hawaii. Um, and at that time, it felt like, what the heck? Like, why? This is the worst timing. Um, and I look back and I see like two things. It's the best timing. But in that, like, we saw a community of people show up because like her and I are experiencing deep hurt, deep pain, like a lot of anger. And so many people um, from our community and like Jesus followers came and they're like, hey, we know you're getting ready to go on this vacation. Um, and some people like gave us money cause they were like, we don't want you to not go. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that, like that blew me away because it's like, we were going, well, maybe it's not smart. Maybe we shouldn't like back batten down the hatches. Right. Um, and like, it was this, just like, we started to get this grasping energy, um, mm-hmm. and just feeling like, all right, we got to control everything and take care. And it's like, we'll, we'll figure it out and go. And yet the community came around and reminded us to like trust and believe. And it's like, Hey, there's a community of people. God's going to take care of you. Um, you know, and it's just like out of the generosity of own people's hearts, they came along and supported us like right then. And then afterwards, and I look back now and it's like that timing couldn't have been better, um, to be able to like go through. And I, I know not everybody's afforded this luxury. I'm going to acknowledge that. But like, for us, it's just like, I can't deny that to go through some pain and some hurt and some frustration. And I'm not, I didn't experience it firsthand. Like I was secondary to my wife and yet like to go and then have a space to get away and breathe and process and heal. And like right away after was really incredible with that. And so it's like, I look back at that and I'm like, wow, like look at what Jesus did there. You know, and those are the ways that I see like him show up is it almost takes a couple of years for me to look back and go, oh, yeah, you were working there. Because in the moment, I'm always sitting going, well, where are you? You know, like last year. <laughs> um, I mean, you and I talked about this last year and like I was trying to find a different job and I had been looking for months and I just was like, OK, like I like God's not listening. I said this to Brooke um, a year ago. We were sitting at dinner and I just said, I'm not saying I don't believe in God. I'm just saying it seems like he's not listening or he doesn't care because I was, I had spent months trying to find another job um, because I, I wanted to um, find another job and I needed that. And it just was like, I was praying and we both were and it was just like, I need for my health, I need to get out and to do something else. And it just felt like 
God, I'm doing everything that you would say. Like, I'm trying to be faithful to you and you're not listening or you just don't care. Um, and then, and then the next week, um, somebody messaged me on Instagram and goes, Hey, do you have time to chat next week? And I was like, sure. Like, this is weird. I haven't talked to this guy in years. Um, <laughs> you know where this is going because this I is a podcast. It. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we got on and he was like, Hey, we were like talking and, um, and he just wanted to know what was up in our life. And he was like, well, um, I have this job opening up and I thought of you. And I thought you'd be really great for it. So like, do you think you would want to apply for it? And it was like, as we talked through it, it was perfect. Like, I was just like, wow. Um, you know, like, it, I don't feel like I could have asked for a better job. Right. Uh, and it's what I do now. Um, and it's just like, I am, I think like part of that I love because I see like Jesus is not afraid of my honesty. And so like, I'm like, God, you don't care or you're not listening. Right. Those are the two options here. And then he's like, well, give me a week um, or <laughs> give me a few months or like however long it would take for him. Right. Uh, but like, it's just like, I'm saying that and then I get a message and then I can see it. Now, it's, I just think like that's God's, like it shows his goodness, his faithfulness, his loving kindness, like all of those things towards me. Um, but and then I'm, I'm trying to think of like in the last year, um, a good example, you know, or even just in the last few months. And uh, we, this last weekend had a diaper baby shower um, just because we're having a baby this next month or even in who knows sometime in the next three weeks. Um, and so we had done a baby shower in June and then we did one in July. Cause like Brooke did one. I didn't, you know, for some reason we still do them separate. Um, it's and so we did one together and like people came around and they gave like it was just hey like come bring a pack of diapers and we're gonna hang out we'll provide stuff drinks and things and right. so they showed up and it was just like cool to like see these people come around but our friends that like put it on like they're just good people and we love them and like they volunteered and so like that's cool to see like how people yeah. show up you know um I'm trying, I'm trying to think if there's like a better story recently, but that's what I have. Um, I think, so I have, um, this is still from a few years ago. It's like I said, it's easier for me to look back yeah, than that, it is to look right in the moment. Yeah, that makes but, sense. But um, I have a friend who came here from Syria as a refugee and um, he got a citizenship this year. That was a huge party, really exciting and cool. Um, we had been working and helping. I'd been helping him learn English so he could take his citizenship test. Um, but he came, I think it was like five or six years ago um, to the country. And we had been like, I'd just been working with him, building a relationship, getting to know him, like just being friends. And one day he found out that I don't own a suit. Um, I've never owned a suit. And because I've not had a need for it, you know, as a pastor, you don't get dressed up very often. Um, and so I didn't need a suit. And he was a tailor before. Mm -hmm. And so I love this because he found that out. And he was like, No, we got to make that right. And I was like, Thank you so much. Like, I don't need a suit, man. And he like had me stand up. And, you know, because he's a tailor or a seamstress, right. um, he had his measuring tape and just started measuring me and I was like this is I don't know what's about to happen you know 
goes away to his work and makes like finds a suit that had been left behind for years or wherever and custom fits it wow. to me and then brings it and it's just like that has nothing like I don't say that to be like wow look it's just like no look at the goodness of other humans yes because like he's so kind that he was like I've been just trying to be his friend and teach him English I wasn't doing much you know I'm an English speaker it's not hard for me to do right. but I'm just trying to be patient and work and but he goes and creates me a custom suit and it's just like I think that's so cool that he did that and he's just like I don't in that I see like wow like those are little reminders like Jesus is good like he's not orchestrating it. he didn't create the suit himself and speak it and be like let there be a suit <laughs> but he did create my friend and right? he did like instill this kindness into him and mm-hmm. like those are cool things that it's like I just look and I see a community that I'm grateful for and people that I love and that I'm grateful for. And it's like, if you want to know, if you want to know what Jesus has done for me lately, I have to talk about my community. Yeah. Because when I see Jesus working in other people's lives is when I'm like, this is awesome, you know? Um, And it's cool to be a part of and watch happen because there's just, there's a lot there and it's easier to see Jesus in other people's lives than it is to see Jesus in your own. Mm -hmm. Like at work, you know, in the present. Right. And I think that's a really great place to land this episode because what it makes me think of is why it's so important that we recognize and learn this practice, the spiritual practice of testifying. Because as you're, you know, you were sharing a few different stories over the past couple of years and you kept saying, oh, it's hard for me to think of, you know, something in the moment that's more recent because I need that time. And then you just said, now it's easier to see Jesus in, in other people than it is to kind of look. It's a, it's a hard vantage point to look at our lives and, and really understand the way that God is working right now in the moment. But as we build relationships and we learn to listen to others and we learn to honor the story of others, that, and we learn to testify about what, what we are witnessing and what we see, that is a faith building experience because we locate Jesus in the other. We locate and we see Jesus in our community. And that helps us to trust Jesus more in our own lives, where it feels scary, where it feels vague, unknown, where we're saying, God, you're either not, you know, you're not there, you're not, you don't care, you're not listening. Um and then your Assyrian friend just want to bless you and make you a suit. Okay. Interesting. You know, and I, I love that even as you were saying, I can't really think of anything. You told like four different stories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man of few words. Oh, but you know, sometimes that's, that's how it feels. But really when we just let ourselves start to share and start to testify and bear witness. It's like, oh, and then there was that thing. And there, then yep. there was that thing. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. I mean, thanks for, thanks for the opportunity and, uh, you know, getting to share. And um, also, uh, thanks for starting this community and the Holy District. Um, I have told you this a year ago. We were at your house in the kitchen. Um but you and Blake are very, very special to us and to me. Like I said earlier, I love you. Um, but like, I just, 
there's something special to this community and it's become a place where we can meet Jesus and we are seeing it happen. Like I could probably start diving into the Holy district community that we're forming here in Gilbert and start telling more and more stories out of that. As I'm like there, I'm thinking and I'm going, Oh yeah. Um, but it's just like there, there's something good here. And I'm grateful to be along on it. Um, because I look and I just am like, I hope for our kids, like your kid and our kid, as they grow up, that the church that we leave them is one that is good and good for the community. And I believe that what we're doing with the Holy District is that. And so it's just like, I'm grateful that, you know, uh, you're our friend, that you are listening to Jesus and that we get to be a part of forming this with you because there's something really beautiful here. We love you. I love you. And um, yeah, I'm super grateful that through all the weird, painful twists and turns that our lives and how our, how our lives have intermingled over the years since we met have brought us to this moment. And I'm just filled with deep anticipation for what God is leading all of us into in the, in the coming seasons of the Holy district. It almost feels like we're in our own advent, like, you know, not just like for Christmas season, but it's an advent of like, just waiting and knowing like everyone's been saying, Oh, we're on the cusp of uh, a move of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, in church culture, I say everyone meaning in church, wider church culture, not just the Holy district. And it's like, I'm sitting here part of the Holy district community going, I think we are in an advent. Yeah, And the way the spirit is moving, I can see like seeds being planted. We don't know what's going to bloom or when it's going to bloom, but something beautiful is coming. And what do we say? Come Lord Jesus, come. Yep. So thanks Dan. Thank you. you for being with us another week on the holy district podcast really grateful that you're part of what we're doing and that you are in this advent with us if you are done waiting in some ways and want to take a next step i'd encourage you to reach out you can find us on instagram and and facebook at rediscover sacred you can go to our website holydistrict.org sign up for spiritual direction session or like i said last week just join us at one of our gatherings we'd love to see you in any case i'll talk to you next week The Holy District is a growing network of people in the United States who are finding creative ways to live integrated, Jesus-centered lives in our communities, with our communities, and for our communities. We're dedicated to rediscovering the sacred in the everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play, and we're thrilled that you're on the journey with us. There will be no need for prayer.